This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey hikers, this is Bird Shooter, and uh, tonight I speak with an inspiring person who loves the outdoors and found a way to follow his passion. Spending 30 plus years camping, hiking, and backpacking as a full-time career. If you're from the South, you likely know the name Johnny Malloy, who I speak with tonight. He is an accomplished outdoor writer and columnist. Uh, with over 70 camping, fishing, hiking, and paddling books to his credit, covering 26 states in the United States. We recently met at Trail Days and speak tonight about the guidebook business, what it takes to be successful, how to do it full-time, and how to win over the support of a publisher. Johnny graduated from college, never worked a 9-to-5 job, and found a way to live out his dreams, averaging 150 to 200 nights in the backcountry each year. So if you are uh, in a point of transition in your life, episode 65 might be for you. Johnny has the blueprint for your future. Love what you do, and you'll never work a day in your life. Here's the show. All right, this is Bird Shooter. I'd like to welcome Johnny Malloy to the show. He is an accomplished outdoor writer with an unbelievable number of guidebooks to his credit, covering topics including backpacking, camping, fishing, hiking, and paddling in at least 26 states in the United States. And as a native from Tennessee, he is a uh, dedicated volunteer fan. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. So so tell me, you, you live in... Um, you're in Tennessee now. What what part of Tennessee do you live in? Uh, Johnson City. Okay. The hills of East Tennessee, right up by North Carolina and Virginia. I know them well, and I'm sure that uh, we're going to talk about the Smokies before this is all said and done. Um, let, let me start by saying, and I don't know if you remember, when we met briefly at Trail Days this past year, you had a table that was set up kind of on the main street, and it was fairly early in the morning. We'd kind of come walking down the road looking for food. And you were there with your books. I've got a few of your books, actually. Uh, two that come to mind immediately are your uh, Long Trails of the Southeast book. I have your Paddling Georgia book. And so I immediately knew the name when I saw your books on the table. But I um, was just curious. Do you go to trail days frequently? Is that a new thing for you? Uh, yes. No, it's uh, 50, It's only 50 miles away from Johnson City. So I've, I've been going up there since year 2000, just about every year, and selling books and meeting uh, people that love the outdoors. Oh yeah, well, there's plenty of them there, that's for sure. Um, I'm just curious at Trail Days. You know, you've, you're obviously a long-term veteran. Is was there anything that you particularly enjoyed this year? Well, um, I always just enjoy meeting the people who uh, are willing to gather to to uh, uh, gather together about hiking and, and the outdoors, and just uh, we all share something in common: the love of. Uh, God's creation out there and all the trails and rivers and ways to explore them. Yeah, there, there's uh, plenty of those folks at Trail Days, without a question. Um, and, and you just got back from 
was it Montana that you were traveling in this past uh, week yep, or so? We Gr- did. Great. Yeah, uh, we did a four-week trip and uh, explored uh, some places out west. I tricked my wife. She wanted to go see Mount Rushmore, and I did too. I've been there before, but uh, uh, so we got, and then we got to Mount Rushmore. I said, really, we're going to Yellowstone. <laughs> she'd always wanted to go there. Okay. <laughs> so we went and explored the thermal features of Yellowstone. If you didn't know, over 60% of the world's thermal features, geysers, hot pots, uh, and all that uh, thermal stuff, uh, 60% of the world's thermal features are located within Yellowstone National Park. And now, did you guys spend some time in the backcountry, or uh, were you more just doing day hikes? Um, yeah, we were doing day hikes this time, but I've been on three backpacking trips there. It's a beautiful place, great fishing, great scenery, great wildlife, and there's always the pucker factor when you're backpacking there because of the grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Hey, so I, I'm just curious. I don't know the exact number of guidebooks that you have, um, but it's it's significant. Uh, can you just kind of give us a quick background yeah, on your a, number? Uh, over 70. Over 70 books covering hiking, camping, paddling, and true outdoor adventure stories. And it uh, started with my first book. Um, I was going to the University of Tennessee, met a guy who was into backpacking and he took me one time and I thought this is the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, so I would actually camp out, uh, in the Smokies and then I'd get up early in the morning, hike out and go to class at university of Tennessee. And eventually I graduated. And by the time I graduated, I realized that, uh, I needed to figure out a way to make a living that didn't entail a nine to five job because say you and I like to play tennis we can go play tennis for three hours and then come back and we're done. But backpacking and exploring the outdoors requires long strings of time, days and weeks and so forth. So I tried to figure out a way that I could do that and get paid. So uh, uh, along the way, I became a backpacking bum, kind of like a ski bum. Okay. And, yeah, and – uh so I bartended on Friday and Saturday night, and I backpacked during the week. Wow. And uh, over over time, I, I got up uh, over 400 nights backpacking in the Smokies Park. And a friend of mine that had a degree in journalism said, you ought to write a book about your adventures in okay. the Smokies, and I'll help you. And this was before the Internet. And uh, so I actually wrote these stories out by longhand, mailed them to my mother, who typed them up, mailed them back to me. Then I mailed them to my friend with the journalism degree. He kind of critiqued them, and then I fixed them up, final. <clears throat> and then one day, we, uh, my buddy and I went to a bookstore and looked around and saw some outdoor publishers and wrote them a query letter. And one particular uh, <clears throat> publisher said, yes, we're interested in your uh, <clears throat> memoirs and the Smokies. And then another publisher said, we're not interested in your memoirs, but based on your experience, will you write a hiking guide to the Smokies? So with one query letter, I got two books. Wow, okay, that's great. What, so, highly highly against the odds. Yeah, and one book was obviously on the Smokies, and the second book was? Was a true, it was my first uh book was called Trial by Trail. Okay. And that was the adventure stories book in the Smokies. And uh, so with my hiking guide, I got the contract, and I went down to the bank and 
got a loan and got one of these newfangled laptop computers. Okay. And it cost me 1700 bucks. Probably wouldn't even do as much as a, your watch would nowadays. Yeah. But uh, um, so I said, I'm going to be an outdoor writer. And I bartended. I became the bartender that wrote outdoor guidebooks. And then I became the writer that bartended on the side. But I kept sticking it out, and I became a full-time outdoor writer. Yeah, I, I've got a ton of questions for you about that because that that is an amazing feat. You know, all the people that have dreamed of yeah. of, of building a career in the outdoors. You, you're somebody that's actually done it. L- let me ask you though this this first book. It was published what year? Uh, it was published in 1995. Okay, 1995. I, you and I are about the same age, so we were coming out of college about the same time. Did you ever did you ever work a nine to five job, or did you go straight into ne- the? No. Never. I've wow. never had a real job, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I've and I've just been blessed to, you know, the the thing about seeking your dream, whatever it is, is most people quit because it's too hard, too slow, doesn't happen fast enough. You know, friends of mine were, uh, you know, they were embarking on their careers and so forth, and they'd say, Johnny, how's that outdoor writing business going? And I'd say, well, pretty good can I get you another drink <laughs> since I was having to bartend on the side and, right. and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I was kind of jealous of, of their success, but at the same time I stuck it out and, uh, I have yet to see no job. I've never seen another job I'd rather have than the one I've got. So, yeah. uh, thank God I was, uh, persistent in my dream. So if anybody out there has got a dream, persist that's what separates you from everybody else yeah what, what's the old expression johnny uh do what you love you'll never work a day in your life right yeah yeah and i do love my job you know right now i'm working on a book called 50 hikes in the carolina mountains and i cannot wait to leave tomorrow to go do some more hikes i cannot wait to get back and work on the writing part i can't wait to uh put the book together yeah, well, it's a good thing I caught you, and I did. I know I'd reached out to you before, and you were in the Pisgah National Forest. Hey, so let me ask you about the South, because I notice you've covered the South, the South extensively, particularly Florida, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Um, did you live in Florida at one time? Because you had a ton of books from Florida. No. How did that come? Yeah. To, how do you do that? Well, uh, you know, when I first got it, first was doing all this stuff, I've, I've been just a camp, camping maniac. I've been averaging over 150 nights out of the year for since 1987. Wow! And you you camp out a lot in the winter uh, in the in the mountains. It's very cold. And uh, so one day I just was flipping through an atlas and I was looking at Florida and I saw a bunch of green splotches and national forests and things. So I said I'm going to go down there and uh, saved up my money and spent the winter down in Florida and saw the wealth of outdoor opportunities and outdoor writing opportunities and I convinced a publisher to write a tent camping guide to Florida and I did that and then the next year I came up with another idea and a paddler's guide to Everglades National Park hiking trails of Florida's National Forest and so on and so uh, for the past 23 winters uh, I've spent down in Florida yeah, I noticed you had a ton of ton of books from Florida. But you know what? What it, I should ask you first: How many states have you covered? Is twenty six correct? I, I was guessing twenty six correct. Okay. Yeah, and if you imagine the eleven former Confederate states, that's the 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 heartland of where I where I work. 
But, um, you know, if I'll write a book about Kansas if somebody will give me an advance and a contract. <laughs> and to that, to that end, I have uh, <clears throat> um, written books, places I never dreamed of, uh, Columbus, Ohio, Springfield, Illinois, and so on, where the publisher had the idea for the place, and they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I did. And, and one thing I've learned, Steve, is this. Everywhere is beautiful. You just got to know where to look. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and Johnny, you and I have not really had an extensive conversation before, so this might be the first time that you've heard this. But I actually hiked all fifty states before I hit fifty. It was a big goal that I had. I wanted to backpack in all fifty, and I noticed that you had set a goal from yourself. And I, th- I think I saw this on your site that you wanted to hike or or camp in every state. Right? Are you are you close to having yeah, all fifty? Yeah, back backcountry camp, whether canoeing or backpacking right. and yeah i'm something like up to 46 states so uh uh you know there's a, there's still a goal out there i need to complete yeah congratulations on your goal too. Yeah. well thank you I, I didn't see hawaii on your list are you saving that the, for last the best for last well yeah you know i'd like somebody to pay pay for me to go there but it doesn't look like it's in the cards but you never know <laughs> I noticed. I noticed you had some states that were pretty far from where you live. You had Colorado, Maine, and Wisconsin on there. I, you know, a question I had for you was: Are you renting houses when you go to these states? Because I, I know it takes a long time to get the material for the book. But it sounds like you're camping mostly when you go there, huh? I'm camp. Yeah, I'm camping the whole time. I uh, wrote a book called uh, "Historic Hikes in New England," hmm. and my wife is a school teacher. And we, the day she got out of school, we went up there. And ended up uh, along the way camping out 50 nights in a row wow. while working on the hiking bug. So, believe it or not, I love to camp. My, uh, before I got married five years ago, my goal was to camp out 186 nights a year, <laughs> one day more than half. And uh, so now, but I've now I've, uh, uh, I just want to spend time with my wife, so I uh, cut it down to 150. <laughs> but, she she's 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 good she camps out usually 60 or 70 nights a year uh so so she's with me a lot yeah well i was gonna guess you married an outdoor lady because uh if you didn't uh, i don't know how that would work do you do you guys do you ever pull a camper with you or are you pretty much just tent camping or back no, we're, we're just tent camping i try to keep it keep it simple as possible when i'm working on a book I do a lot of uh, car camping because, you know, I'm working on a hiking book. And I'm, I, I do incorporate backpacks into the hiking books, but the main thing is to do it efficiently because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of uh, money in this business. There's enough to uh, keep me on to work into the next book, but I do have to be efficient. And I'm a self-employed entrepreneur businessman, so I, I, I do have an eye of business when I'm, when while I'm enjoying myself in the outdoors. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, you always gotta gotta mind your finances when you're when you're uh, basically putting a book together. Believe me, I understand it. There's a lot of gas and travel and expenses that go into creating yeah. a book, right? Um, Absolutely. And and I, w- I will tell you, you know, the the downside, the number one downside of of my job is the driving. I drive uh, over twenty thousand miles a year. Uh, you know, working on these books and. So in my spare time, I go on the trip all the way out to Yellowstone. <laughs> so I spend a lot of time in the car, but I, let me tell you this. If you want to go places, you got to get there. And so you got to put in the time. And when you're working on these books and, and whatever else, adventures, you know, I carry my 
camping gear with me and the most efficient way is to have a car even though i do fly to go to trips we're we're going on a canoe trip in northern wisconsin in about 10 days and we're flying up there but that's the exception rather than the rule okay yeah i noticed you had a lot of paddling books and i, I do a lot of kayaking i actually have your um paddling georgia book um so I, uh, I, you obviously are, are um interested in, in those pursuits as well absolutely i, I, I love paddling Paddling is um, just a different way to see the world, and there's nothing like floating down a river or, or being in a remote lake. And, uh, and, and you can, it enables you to uh, exercise your body in different ways, see the world from a different point of view. And, and, and you can also uh, uh, live pretty high on the hog relative to backpacking. Yeah. Well, and Johnny, I know you'll agree with me on this one being from the South, but in, in the South, when the humidity really starts kicking in July and August, it, it's really nice to be in a kayak and be able to just jump in the water and you're not, you don't have that sweaty backpack on your back. And, um, it's a great way to explore the wilderness w- without the misery of the heat, um, that you can get in the South, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. And I've been, uh, and I've, I've gone, uh, done canoeing adventures all over all over the United States and Canada, and uh, I've been up to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in Minnesota uh, 16 times. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of beautiful rivers around here, and and I do want to mention the Ozarks. The Ozarks has some of the finest river canoe camping in the world, huh. and uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, the fishing, the camping, the scenery, the wildlife is really good. Yeah, the Ozarks were one of the last states I hit, actually, in my uh, my 50. And, and I think, Johnny, I know you'll agree with me because you've been all over, but th- there's not a single state that it, that doesn't have something to offer. I mean, I know you agree with that statement, right? Like when you drive Absolutely. out to Yellowstone, when you drive to Yellowstone, you still probably find something interesting in Nebraska, Kansas, whatever, right? Absolutely. We, we uh, Some of the funnest times we had this summer were was in uh, North Dakota. Yeah, and we, we just you got to keep an open mind. I've heard a lot of people, you know, they'll talk, especially people around here, you know, they think anything that's not a mountain can't be worth walking through. But actually the opposite's the true, true because here's, here's the thing. If everywhere looked like whatever place you love, then there wouldn't be any variety. Yeah. So, uh, for example, for example, um, I threw, uh, nobody had written a true adventure story about through hiking the Florida trail. <laughs> and so I did that and wrote a, a true adventure story a, a book about that and and that was a beautiful experience yeah now so you're you're a through hiker i want to call that out for the listeners because i know we have a lot of through hikers that listen uh, is there any other long distance trail that you've thought about maybe trying to knock off your list uh well actually you know there is one that uh, uh the the university of north carolina press has uh, been talking about me uh, through hiking the mountains to sea trail and writing the true adventure story book to kind of promote it. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, I wrote that book, Long Trails of the Southeast, as an alternate to the Appalachian Trail because there's a lot of downsides to hiking the Appalachian Trail these days. And uh, I think there's a lot of places, there's a lot more solitude to be found. And, and uh, um, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for a natural experience as opposed to a social experience, there's some good long trails out there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think your book, um, I, your book has got some great alternatives actually to the Appalachian Trail. I own it, and it's very detailed, which is one of the reasons I bought it because I do hike frequently in the South. You know, you've got the Foothills Trail here, which is really good. Um, 
You've got the Benton Mackay. You've got the Bartram. So there's a lot of good alternatives and to the Appalachian Trail. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just even in Kentucky, the Shiltawi Trace, uh, it's a 230-mile trail that goes through the, the eastern spine of the Cumberland Plateau in, in Kentucky. And, again, it, it's it, there's great places and great times to do them. And that's another important thing that I'd like to mention is it's not only where to go, but when you do it because that's critical i mean you don't want to go paddling in the everglades in the summer nor do you want to um, hike the shiltawi trace in the summer because it's kind of hot and buggy but in the spring fall and winter it's a good place to go and it's not too high you know our mountains right here right outside of johnson city in the winter prolonged hikes are very difficult yeah, you definitely have to pick pick and choose your battles, no question about that. I mean, you've obviously learned that lesson, I'm sure, uh, over time. Um, hey, so yeah. so you teed me up perfectly for a question I had for you, and I noticed on your website you had some top ten lists. Um, I know you're from the South. I, I wouldn't be shocked if you said Tennessee or North Carolina is your favorite state, but do you have a favorite state to hike in? Well, uh, I'll say this. My favorite place to go uh, hiking in the world is Smoky Mountains National Park. And if there was another place, I would stick with my first answer. <laughs> so, you know, but but truly, um, truly for hiking, the, the Southern Appalachians is my favorite. And working on this 50 Hikes in the Carolinas book just confirmed that yet again. But again, if you're looking for, you know, there's nowhere better to hike in the winter than down in Florida. The All backpacking right. is excellent down there. And it's the only long trail you can hike wearing short pants in January. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that January, February are the two best months to hike it. I'm curious to ask you, Johnny, because I've hiked a ton in the Smokies. I'm sure you've probably marked the map, as they said, and hiked all 900 miles. But um, is winter your favorite time? It's mine to go to the Smokies. I'm just curious what you think. Well, you know, I think I think during the week, during the week, any time is better. And a lot of the thing is, if you get a quarter mile off the road, you're going to be in pretty good stead as far as solitude, except for, let's say, seven or eight trails that are just very, very, very popular. So um, really, I, I like going in all seasons, but my favorite time to hike in the Smokies is probably in September Yeah, because it's dried out. Right. It's not too cold yet. It's uh, uh, People are gone. The air is crisp. The days are warm. The nights are cool. I'm ready to go. You know, working on the 50 Hikes in the Carolinas book, I'm 10 of the hikes going to be in the Smokies Park, and I'm saving those for September. Oh, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I really like early October, too, because you get so much color change, uh, you know, with the hardwoods. Um, the, the Smokies are beautiful in the fall. I mean, they, they, they're really pretty. Uh, they are. And, and, and you know, another, another great thing about hiking in the southern Appalachians is you also, in springtime, you can follow spring as it climbs the mountains. And, uh, uh, so you get, you get a seasonality in, in May, in April and May, you know, down low, that's what you're getting some leaf out of pie. It's still kind of barren looking, but you're getting wildflowers up there. And as time goes on, you can keep experiencing spring, uh, as spring moves up. Now you sound like the Earl Schaefer walking with spring book there, Johnny, when you, uh, when you kind of make that pitch. So hey, if, I'd love to hit some of your best and worst before I ask you some specifics on your guidebooks. Um, cause I've got a lot of questions having been through the process myself. I was really impressed with the number of, of books you came out with. 
But uh, I wanted to ask you just sort of your uh, best and worst, like your, I'll start with most miserable, like all the nights that you've spent in the woods, there's got to be one experience that you'll just never forget in terms of uh, suffering. Can you share that with us? Well, you know, you'd be surprised. It was one time in the Smokies and I was in a backcountry site away from, well away from the car. And I had the most ferocious, one of the most ferocious headaches I've ever had in my entire life. And that was a long night. And then secondly, on the, on the, I'll tell you that the first time I went out west and I was uh, hiking outside of Las Vegas, Nevada, this place called Mount Charleston, and it's 11,000 feet high. And I got up there and I hiked up and set up camp and was looking down on Las Vegas and whatnot. And then I started feeling ill and I just felt so ill. And I was laying there so sick, I could hardly move. And then I finally said, it was dark. And I said, you know what? I'm hiking back to the car. I'm going like four or five miles. And I started hiking down and I started feeling better. And I realized that I had altitude sickness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the first time, the first and only time I ever got altitude sickness was an unbelievable night of, of hell. Okay. You know, Overall, to be honest with you, I'm I'm by myself a lot, and so I'm very careful. Uh, I say to myself, I know it's cliche, but make every step count, do everything, and don't. So I really stay out of problems pretty well. And 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 based on and if if you camped out, uh, you know, almost uh, you know four thousand three hundred nights in your life. You better, by this stage of the game, ought to know how to do it right and, and keep away from problems. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously you, you're careful to not take unnecessary chances, right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Myers, especially but during but the I'm, week. But I, yeah, but I mess up. Uh, you know, I still mess up now. Uh, last fall, last September, I, I was working on this book called Best Outdoor Adventures near Chattanooga. had hikes, uh, mountain bike rides, rock climbing and uh paddling and i was paddling on this chickamauga lake and you can camp on these islands and i got this island it was just perfect i was watching the sunset i jumped in the lake and washed the sweat off and it's pretty hot and i just uh slept out and i like to sleep out in the open whenever possible uh problem was the mosquitoes were unbelievable <laughs> and so uh i got so I put on lots of bug dope and I laid there for a while, but they were all over me. And then I tried to cover myself up with a sleeping bag, but it was so hot that I almost suffocated. So I ended up paddling out in the nighttime again. <clears throat> paddling at night's got to be an experience too, right? It is. You know, believe it or not, um, I, I, in the Everglades, Everglades National Park, the one of the main paddling areas, you're directly along the Gulf of Mexico. So when you're paddling and you look west, the next thing you'd see, it would be Texas. So you can get some big old waves out there. And uh, one thing I found, though, is uh, in in windy conditions, paddle at night. And it is, it's crazy, but it's beautiful. Uh, But you just keep the land in sight and get kind of adjusted to the nighttime. And you can uh, move around then. Yeah, now you you probably have more hiking books and backpacking books than paddling books. Is that fair to say? Correct. I've probably written about ten or twelve paddling guides, and you know over forty uh, over forty uh, hiking guides. 
Yeah, I noticed that in your title. When you're paddling, though, just out of curiosity, are you typically in a canoe or a kayak? Uh, I'm a canoer. I'm a throwback guy. Okay. I, I just like the canoe, and I, I like the openness of it. They're easier to load and unload because I camp a lot, canoe camp, and I, and I like the easier just to throw your stuff in there. For day trips, kayaking is definitely uh, more convenient. Let me tell you that I've seen over the past 30 years the transition from it used to be like 90% canoe, 10% kayak, and now it's more like 90% kayak and 10% canoe. <laughs> and one of, one of the primary reasons is this. Um, people can load and unload a kayak onto their car a lot easier than they can a canoe. Okay. They're lighter, they're smaller, uh, you know, and, every, and, and everybody's the captain of their own ship, even yeah, though they yeah. do have two and three man uh, kayaks. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, so I think that's a great point in, in both the things you said. The other thing that makes me like the kayaking experience more is the back support. You know, I, I mean, I've got my back right up against the back of my, you know, little hole in my kayak. I, yeah. I like the sit-in inside types. And um, I hear you. That for as I get older, that's probably the main reason. I've done a lot yeah. of canoeing, but that's the main reason I like the kayak better. Yeah. Well, but, they got a lot of a lot of canoes nowadays. They, they have you know built-in. They have uh, chair back editions you can have. I got a I, I use an old town Penobscot. Okay. And it's actually you get you you buy this back support. And you just plop it on there when you get in the water, and it's built by the manufacturer, and it looks like it's part of the canoe. It's made of wood, and uh, it's got uh, <clears throat> uh, the cane. It's got a cane backing, so it's pretty pretty comfortable. And uh, so that's what I use. But yeah, that there's nothing. Uh, funnier than when you're sitting in the back of the canoe paddling and the person in front starts reaching around to their back getting when they start getting canoers back oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know i think another thing that's helped too is cost right with the the prefab molds that they can pour plastics into the canoe cost has come way way down or the kayak cost has come way way down absolutely so that, they're that, very cheap that that's had to play a huge role in that flip from mostly canoes to kayaks over the years you know um, yeah, and most mostly people people mostly go on day trips, and kayaks are you know a, a, a one that's basically exclusively for day tripping, and it's cheap uh, and uh, is, is affordable for everybody and easy to load. So and uh, you don't have to buy some big expensive rack. You know, people can hang them out their car and whatnot. And so I, yes, you are correct. Yeah, I, I just had mine with me. We were in South Carolina this past weekend. <laughs> as much as you've traveled, I know you know where the Catawba dumps into Lake Watery in South Carolina. Just yeah. yeah, between Charlotte and Columbia, that's where we were. And I just literally hauled my kayaks uh, back today. So um, I think I mentioned to you I was on vacation. But anyway, um, so you, you say most. What percent of the time you think you're alone on these trips? Are you, you think it's ninety, eighty, seventy? I'd say I'd say you know. Uh, 65 to 70 percent. Sometimes people join me for part when I'm working on a book. Okay. Uh, like uh, tomorrow, I'm going to do, I'm in this, uh, seven more hikes for this, for the Western Carolina, for the Carolina Mountains book. And Buddy Mines meet me and he's going to go for, we're going to backpack two of the hikes and he's going to go on. And so two of the seven of this next one for next week will, will be with somebody. Five out of seven will be by myself. But, the, the thing you got to remember is this, Steve, is I'm working and, and I, and I kind of have a mentality of I'm on the job. Sure. And so 
I'm not uh, I'm focused on the job. Right. And uh, that that's a different focus than just having a good old time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you're taking people with you that respect that too. I mean, you'd, you'd obviously. Oh have yeah, to. yeah. They they'll they'll. And also, it's good to have other people around because I can take their picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw you were just in British Columbia too. Is are you working on a book up there? Or was that just a sheer short, uh, no, quick, quick no, fun trip? No, it was. It was just fun, a fun canoe trip, and uh, we also went up to the Yukon and paddled the Yukon River. Oh man, awesome! Uh, which we yeah, we went uh, 260 miles down the down the Yukon, and uh, that was a dream come true. That is beautiful country. It is. It is. It's. It's. Uh, you know, just again, there's there's more places to go than we can do in a lifetime, even if you're an outdoor rider, I have found. Yeah. You know, I, I've done the Chilkut Trail up in the Yukon, which is basically BC and the Yukon, but that blew me away. That was a really cool hiking trip if you, uh, you know, if you ever get the time. So, I'd love to do it. Yeah, I'm sure they need a guidebook, and yours are very detailed, so you'd write a good one. Let, let's talk about the writing for a minute, though, because you've written camping, fishing, hiking, and paddling books, as we've discussed. Um, mm-hmm. it, I mean, you mostly written hiking and backpacking. Is that your favorite activity, or is that not necessarily the case? Uh, not necessarily. You know, I just try to enjoy it all, but I love backpack fishing and canoe camping fishing trips where I combine it all. But but I just love being out there now, and I and I do like the camping. I like the relaxation, and that's why you know writing these camping guides. I've written uh, I think twelve or so of those, and you know you find these great places to camp, you know car camp, tent camp, and and you go there and you find the fun stuff to do, and and I love to share good places with people because I want you to know this. I realize as a writer that people, when they buy a Johnny Malloy book, they're betting their money and their time that Johnny Malloy knows what he's talking about. And I take that very seriously, and I want them to to, uh, go have their experience using my book and say, boy, that was fun. Yeah, well, that's understandable. So that brings me to a question. What was the most fun book that you've ever written out of all those? Would you say there's a total of near 70, almost 70? Yeah, over 70 books. Well, you know, I guess the first edi- one, the first edition of the Paddler's Guide to Everglades Park, because nobody had ever written a, a paddling guide that comprehensively covered over 500 miles of routes in the park, and I realized the opportunity, and I and I was just like, I've got to get this right, and just exploring and finding these new routes and new places, new routes for me, <clears throat> and and being able to document them and and help people get through them and find their way around. That was just, it was exhilarating. Yeah. So what, just out of curiosity, what book do you think is the most popular in your whole collection? Well, I've had an iteration of a a Smoky Mountains hiking book in print for, uh, for almost, let's see, for over 25 years. So I probably sold more of that than any other book. But as far as years on the shelf and sales, uh, it would be 50 hikes in the North Georgia mountains. Oh, yeah, okay. Because the proximity to Atlanta. Sure. And uh, that, that was a funny story because what happened was a publisher contacted me about writing this book about Georgia. They wanted to call it Loop Hikes in Georgia. <laughs> okay. And somehow, somehow 
I, I got I got mixed up with the wrong publisher, and I contacted Countryman, who was the one who does this Fifty Hikes series, and I said, "Yeah, I'd like to write this book, Fifty Hikes in the North Georgia Mountains." And they said, "Yeah, we like that idea." And so it turns out <laughs> that uh, I ended up making uh, a relationship with the with this publisher through an erroneous uh, through a mistake, and it's uh, been a blessing. Yeah, well, I know that. So that was a question I had for you. I noticed you had five to seven publishers that you've worked with over the course of writing your books. Um, uh, you know, can you tell? I mean, I think the listeners probably are unaware. You and I have been through the experience, but the publisher brings a ton of value to the whole process between distribution and proofreading and map making and those sort of things. You just want to talk about uh, your yeah. experience with the publishers and how once you're in with them, then, you know, the wheels start rolling, yeah. right? Absolutely. Well, the first thing I learned is uh, my very first book, I turned in three months early and the publisher was so excited. They couldn't believe it that I did that. And they said, well, we're going to give you another book right now. <laughs> and uh, and they, they came up with another idea for a book, and I learned a lesson, be prompt. And then the sec- another lesson I learned, if they want 50,000, you know, 50 hikes in the North Georgia mountains and they want it to be 60,000 words, I'm going to have it exactly that. Because the, the more that you uh, meet their specifications and the cleaner the book, the more accurate, the better it is, the easier it is on them. So uh, almost to a, every publisher has said to me, you know, we love working with you because because you, you make our life easier. I'm I'm reliable. I'm accurate. I'm efficient. I'm timely, right. and uh, I, and all those things add up create value in me as a writer. So so even if like say uh, somebody else wanted to, they just said, you know what, I, this hike's just too good. I got to make it. Uh, I got to make. I got to do the write up longer. Well, all that does is make the editor have to edit it down. It doesn't make the book better. And so, and and, and the same for maps. Maps are an important part. You know, people rely on maps. So you make accurate maps, and you make them very good, and you make it make the publisher be able to redraw them in their style in a very uh, efficient manner. And, and that that adds value. If they want a certain amount of photos submitted with each hike give them that and uh but one thing i learned is don't ever if you don't want that picture to get in the book don't give it to them because <laughs> you know sometimes i there, i can't remember what book but i had three pictures they say three pictures i gave in for a hike and i was like well obviously picture a is going to be it but i'll throw these other two in right and they picked one of the what i thought was the one of the bum pictures so yeah. uh but but the the value that they add also is they uh, go through the process and the distribution. Like, can you imagine if I had 70 books and I had to drive around all over the eastern United States trying to get them in bookstores and meeting with people and so forth? That would eat up all my time. But I think that's the one thing that most maybe aspiring guidebook authors are not considering is the distribution. I mean, I, granted, the publishers get their percent. I think they deserve their percent. But they earn it. I, I mean, agree. That, that trying to manage yeah. that distribution and get you into the other thing too, uh, Johnny, is their connections, right? They've got connections with REI. They've got connections with all the yeah. small mom and pops. And I mean, uh, and, and visitor centers, visitor centers, yes. and, uh, state parks. You know, and, and it, right? Yeah, it's 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 cool to see your book in the visitor center. So so really, they do they do earn their money, and I don't begrudge them a bit. 
and, and because it really free, you know, the reason I do what I do is so I can do what I do. And that's hike and write about it and do all this outdoor stuff and write about it. I don't want to be driving around the, uh, uh, boxes of books and trying to pedal them. You know, I do, I go to festivals and things like that, but I mean, as a, as my distribution network, it's very difficult. And then some of say, Oh, we'll just put it up on amazon.com. Well, there, there's a, an amount that may sell there, but still like I was at Linville Falls last week and, uh, <clears throat> they have a visitor center there and I walk in and there's one of my books sitting there yeah. and, you know, there, and there's a, a slew of people in the visitor center and, Somebody's going to buy a book. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got to ask you too about proofreading, uh, Johnny, because I mean, I think they went through my book like five times. They caught things I would have never caught. Um, I mean, what, can you comment on the whole proofreading that the, the yeah. service they provide? Well, the first and foremost thing is the buck stops here. I take all responsibility for errors because I, don't, I just don't want to blame anybody else because I, I create the book. You know that that for the fifty hikes in the Carolina mountains, they don't say, "Oh, you got to do this, this, and this." They just say, "Here, go do it." So, the whole vision is mine, and the product that I turn in, the better and cleaner it is, the less words I have to change, that because I thought they were good. But anyway, I, so what I do is, I take notes on a digital recorder. And then I come back, I put them on, I dump the files on the computer, I play it back, I use voice recognition software to do a significant amount of writing. But then I, then I print it out, and then I forget it. And I do a bunch of hikes, and then after I'm done writing them up, I'll go back and read through the printed, and I'll just break out the old red pen and do that, and then fix it up. And then finally I've got you know, a bunch of, and then say I got all 50 hikes, I'll go through them a second print editing. So I'll go through writing it, editing it on the screen, print edit one, print edit two. And then I send it off to them. And, you know, they'll do various things with it, uh, change some things, or, you know, they'll, they'll catch er- errors. But the funny thing about editors is you got to remember this. The, the publisher's hiring editors, so editors got to edit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll get on a jag of a certain word I use or who knows what, just and they'll change that. But then they give me another opportunity to comment on the on the editing, and then then they send me a PDF file that looks like the final book, and there's my chance. And if I fail there, it's my own fault because I catch and and, and yeah, you will catch stuff, and sometimes there's something that I won't see it's just maybe it's my own style that has a defect or something but they'll see it and they'll clean it up and uh and so i don't begrudge them on that i think it it, it, you you try to make you try to think of the reader sure it's not about johnny malloy it's not about uh, uh whatever press it's about the reader and you want the reader to have to make the most of their time and have the clear, concise information that they need to execute their adventures. And so I think about the reader, and we want when the publisher and I work together to make the best possible value for the reader. So, so I'm guessing, Johnny, after you cranked out maybe four or five books, you probably had good enough relationships with publishers that you never had to ask or pitch a book again. They were coming to you probably at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, the, and, and the way it works 
is, yeah, everybody everybody I've worked with has offered me new books to write. That's how I ended up writing uh, Day Hiking Guide for Greater Columbus, Ohio, uh, Cincinnati, places I would never go. <laughs> that you know, but but the thing about it is, um, a lot of the books I've written were the publisher's idea. Some of them were my idea. Some of them were friends of mine's idea. So it's really been interesting how that has all come to play. And then just sometimes a publisher and I will say, they'll say, what, what do you think? You know, here, give me some ideas. And then we'll talk about them and it might morph into something else. Like I just finished this book called Paddling Virginia in West Virginia. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was, yeah. And I, and I was saying, well, paddling, Virginia's got plenty of paddling places. Um, you know, let's just do that. And they said, well, we want to include West Virginia. And I said, well, most of the rivers there are pretty rough. You know, there's a lot of yeah, rugged rivers yeah. that your average paddler's not going to enjoy. Whitewater. And they were, right? Yeah. That, that's why they, I laughed. But, it's like whitewater in West Virginia mostly, right? Yeah. They were, their, their consideration, which is an important consideration, is the market. And they were thinking Washington, D.C., and that's close to West Virginia also. Yeah. And so we went back and forth, and I said, okay, well, look, let me come up with some places in West Virginia you can paddle that aren't too deadly and we did we figured it out and we came up with that idea and we put the majority of paddles are in Virginia and and a significant amount in West Virginia so um so that's how an example of how we kind of worked together to end up with a book yeah you know Johnny the same thing happened to me the I had a publisher approach me about doing a guidebook to hike with my dog there's a series the mountaineer uh Mountaineer Books does a series, Best Hikes with Dogs. I'm sure you've seen it. They originally came to me for Georgia, and that was the original pitch on the book, which I agreed to, but they came back to me later because they had run some numbers and they felt like their sales would be better. They had a Georgia and South Carolina book, which was fine with me because I hike in South Carolina too, a lot. But I think the message which you just delivered for the listeners is, hey, look, you know these publishers – you know, it's a business for them, right? And they're not in a business to write a book that doesn't sell and doesn't make money. And they've run their numbers and they know what it takes. So, uh, you know, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a capitalist and an entrepreneur and, and, and I understand, you know, I'm, I can't live, uh, you know, I, I got to sell books. And so you got to find the market. And that's what a lot of these, uh, urban day hiking guides are. They, they, they find a market. And then you write the book. You know, they'll say, I've done them for big cities, uh, Raleigh, Durham, Cincinnati, Nashville, Knoxville, Roanoke, uh, Chattanooga, um, on and on for the for Richmond, Virginia, where we found the market and then, and then found the hikes. Because everybody can't go, somebody living in Richmond can't go drive to the Shenandoah Park every time they want to go hiking, you know. And there's plenty of beautiful places to go around Richmond and plenty of uh, good times to do it. You know, you don't want to go hiking around Richmond in the summer, but so, but they can get away quick and, and do a little weekend uh, quick getaway or an after work hike uh, right in their own backyard. So you, so you, you find that market and then you find the hikes and then help the uh, local residents find uh, enjoyable experiences yeah i like that you mentioned columbus ohio earlier is a, a, a book that your publishers wanted you to write i grew up uh maybe 50 minutes from columbus and I, I i think one of the first hikes i can remember as a kid with my parents was in hocking hills if uh if you, i'm sure you yeah, know where that is yeah. 
So that's funny. I, that's a book that you're currently working on right now, right? Didn't I see that on your website? It's, is that one you're almost well, finished? Yeah, I've, I've, I've updated I've updated the Columbus, Ohio book. That's another thing is, um, you know, that when you get this many books, there's always a need to be updating them. So I get the opportunity to keep them in print. And uh, what I'll do is say for Columbus, Ohio, I got uh, 40 hikes in the book, and I'll go back up there and add, you know, five to seven new hikes and drop some old ones, re-hike some hikes, and uh, kind of freshen up the book. So now I have all sorts of books that are in multiple editions, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. So, that you know, that's something I haven't done, which I have a lot of respect for you. Is the publisher typically coming to you asking for that updated v- version, or is that something yeah. that you, okay, yeah. they are? Okay. And, and, yeah. and, and what I try to do is I try to – they'll contact me sometimes, and they want it real fast. Mm-hmm. which is more difficult. But what I try to do is try to stay ahead of the game and contact the publishers. Any books you want me to update and in the foreseeable future. So it, it, it's a relationship with the publishers and the, the people you meet there. You become friends with them, and it's kind of fun. But in fact, this one uh, lady named Katie Benoit who works at Falcon, she was uh, she and I have become friends, and uh, she's a real nice uh, person. And <laughs> she was like, you got to write this waterfall guide to Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to write a book in Pennsylvania. And and you know what? I was a fool because when I went up there, there were so many great waterfall hikes. I was thinking, by the time it was over, I was thinking, I can't believe nobody's written one of these. <laughs> but, but, so Because I've kind of become the accidental, what I call the accidental waterfall expert. Okay. Somebody... Uh, uh, this is another thing is some uh, people will uh, uh, no longer want to want to uh, update their own books or or uh, somebody's deceased or their life changed where they can't they don't have the time to do it anymore and so I'll get the the publisher will give me these people's old books and I'll redo them completely and uh, um, so there's this book called Waterfalls of the Blue Ridge that was my first waterfall book and the people. They just didn't. They moved to Arizona, and so they didn't want to come back and mess with it. And um, so I took it over, and it was kind of fun. And the next thing I know, I've written waterfall guides for uh, for Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, West Virginia, and uh, Pennsylvania. And so uh, I uh, just learned uh, learned a lot about waterfalls, and I love them. Yeah, I mean, that's a great topic for sure. I mean, there's some beautiful hikes with waterfalls. Um, I mean, I, I got to imagine that your sales vary widely per book, right? Is that, is that fair to say? Or, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've got books. I got books that are uh, basically never been re, re, uh, uh, reprinted because they just didn't sell well. It's just like, you know, being an outdoor writer is just like any other company. You know, every now and then you're going to put out an Edsel. You're going to, or you're going to put out, you know, a product that just the public didn't like that much. And, and we all make mistakes and that happens. But then there's things that hit that you didn't think were going to hit. Like that, this Pennsylvania waterfall guide, I think will end up being uh, at least one of the top five bestseller books I've got before it's over with. Yeah. Were there any other surprises in the collection that uh, you didn't, you didn't see coming and all of a sudden they were selling like crazy? Um, well, no, I'll tell you the opposite story is um, this one publisher got hot on how-to books. We want how-to books. We want everybody, we're getting how-to everything. 
And so they said, you got any how-to ideas? And I said, well, I love to fish, and uh, uh, I love to fish in the backcountry in remote places, like hike and backpack in and fish, canoe down rivers and fish. So I wrote this book called Backcountry Fishing, and it was it was just it was a flop. But but I enjoyed I enjoyed working on it, and uh, I, a lot of the stuff I wrote I ended up being able to reuse for other purposes, and uh, so it's so it was kind of fun. But I enjoyed that book. Well, that's shocking. And, uh, the, that's shocking because that, yeah. that, that's actually one of my most favorite things. Maybe a little easier to pull off out west, you know, with Colorado and. Idaho yeah. and you know some of these places that have these cathedral peaks with the beautiful lake with trout in them but um I, I would I'm yeah, kind of surprised too any well, any others that yeah, surprised you, know, you well well I'll, t- I'll tell you here's another uh um this publisher got hot on these historic hikes books and I said well I'll do one and I, I said well how about historic hikes in Virginia I mean where else I mean where else could you have more historic hikes and uh, I love history, so it was really fun to write, and I enjoyed the whole book and loved the experience. And it uh, was not too far from home and all that. But end up, uh, and then before that was even selling, you know, we didn't even know how the sales would be. I wrote the Historic Hikes in New England book. Turns out those were the only two books in the series because they just hadn't sold that good. Huh. What, what, just out of curiosity, I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe I've sold seven or 8,000 books. I don't even know what's normal. You have much more experience at this than me. What what's kind of a range? Well, if a book if a guidebook sells a thousand copies a year, that's good. Okay. So you can do you can run the numbers. So you gotta really I'll never forget the the when I signed my first contract with the guy, he goes he goes, You really gotta have ten of these to even make a living. And I thought he's crazy, even though he worked in the publishing industry and I've never written a book. <laughs> but <laughs> turns out he was right. So you got to have a bunch of books, and that's why it took so long for me to get my career going because you had to get a bunch of books out for for the income was coming in uh, well enough to have that as my one and only job. And now I got between writing new books and updating old books, I'm as busy as a man can be. I could put I could employ two of myself. Yeah, well, I appreciate you getting on the phone with me because you and I swapped some emails, and every time I'd hear from you, you were in you know Montana or Wyoming or uh, Pisgah National Forest. You're getting ready to leave yeah. tomorrow, so so thank you again for for uh, jumping on the show. Oh yeah, well, I, I love I love you know I love being out in God's creation and just seeing the world and uh, the natural. There's so much beauty out there, and it's so pleasing to the eye, and and not only that, it's it's calming on the nerves. It's good for, it's good for people. You know, we live in this world of flashing screens and flashing phones and all this kind of stuff. But when you're out there in nature, it moves at its own speed and its own pace. And I think it's, we've lived more in that than we've lived in what we lived in, what we live in now, and not rushing around and having wrecks and uh, and on cars and things. So, you got to be, you know, being out in nature is a really good thing for your mental and physical health and let, let me add that is that you know there's no it doesn't take too much glancing around to see the the craziness of obesity here in the united states yeah and yeah. uh that there, there's a there's a need there, there there's a need for people to get out and if you give people a reason to exercise and a reason to get out then it, then they see themselves getting more fit and it's good for your mental and physical health 
Yeah, agreed. And, and and so that was one of the things I wanted to ask you too. Um, it was just about the internet and, and electronics and how much that has changed your industry, right? Um, I mean, yeah, you know, the fir- the first maps I drew were uh, I was using tracing paper, uh, and so now and now you know there's mapping programs and uh, you know like I, as I mentioned I, I do a lot of my writing with voice voice dictation. Uh, I've become very proficient at it. I've been using it for 15 years, and the first programs were awful. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm, I, I use technology, but I don't let technology use me. Yeah, I work in the technology industry, Johnny. Actually, and and you know, because I work in the technology industry, I appreciate even more being able to get in the backcountry and get away from it. Um, I, I don't want anything to do with it when I'm out there. Um, but I will, Absolutely. I will admit though, I've used some apps that are probably familiar to you. There's the all trails app, there's the gut hook app. Um, and they do change the game out there. I mean, in some ways they really make it a lot easier to find the trailheads. They make it easier to have accurate information while you're out there. I'm just kind of curious how that's changed the guidebook world, right? Like the world that you're in yeah. writing these books. Can, can you comment on that? Yeah, there uh, competition. Uh, any, anybody doing anything, uh, you're going to have competition. You better be ready for it. And the the something that I bring to the table uh, versus all trails or something like that is experience. You know, that the experience and reliability versus you don't know that like these uh, websites that people just put their own statements on. We don't know who they are. We don't know their abilities or what are, you know, we don't know them. Yeah. See that, that the difference, you know, part of being an expert is being an expert, but at the same time, yes, the world is changing and uh, we'll see where it goes. Though I do think there's a place for books. I don't know. Um, I don't know where it'll go in the long haul, but, but there's, there's never been, you know, full-time outdoor writers doing what I do. There's more people in the NFL than there is being outdoor riders. <laughs> wow, that, that's that, that's an interesting statement. Actually, I never thought about that, but it makes sense. Yeah, so so it's so there's it's a, the 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 jobs. You know how many outdoor rider jobs there are? There are very few, but and, I, and I'm very grateful to have one, and I'm going to do my best as long as I uh, have the opportunity. And and that's part of being an expert is, and that's why I take it seriously when I'm doing this stuff because I want people to say, you know what. Johnny Malloy knows what he's talking about. Well, let's let's bank on him because people are betting, Steve. They're working hard during the week and they're betting their spare time that Johnny Malloy is going to send them on a good hike or, or to a good place to camp or a good river to paddle, and that's important. And I think of the I think of the user. You know, right now, right at this second, somebody's camping out using a book of mine, and and I get and people contact me on a regular basis. And there's a lot of people who say good things, and there's some people who say, oh, something's changed or something's different or this trailhead's been moved or who knows what. And, and I appreciate the information. But and, 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 you know, along the way, I've messed up. I wrote this hiking guide for Shenandoah National Park. It was the first edition. It was this thing called Bear Church Rock. Okay. And it was four and a half miles out. And just as a metal flub, that put the hike was 4.5 miles and it was actually 4.5 each way and it was nine. And so this guy said, I went out there 
and I got lost. I was in the dark, and right. I had to hike back in the dark because you said it was four point five miles. Oh, yeah. And I'll never forget that. You know that I think of that guy when I think of not mess, not making mistakes. Yeah, well, I mean, on the other side of that, I mean, I guess most people find you through your website, right, which is johnnymalloy.com. Um, but, I mean, you probably get a lot of people reaching out to you for all kind of reasons. I mean, are you hearing, if you have oh, that many books, yeah. you must be hearing from people like daily. Absolutely, all the time. Here's the funniest thing is somebody will say, uh, Dear Johnny, I have three of your books. You're great. You know, I've enjoyed them all. Where should I go hiking in Utah? You know, <laughs> they they kind of put the qualifier in, and I appreciate them buying the book. Don't get me wrong. Right. And then they'll say, "Where should I go hiking?" And, and you know, usually if I I'll take the time to answer them because I, I appreciate them reaching out. Right. But then there's you know some people go back and forth, back and forth to the point of you know that I've lost I've lost the profit that I yeah. <laughs> got from the answer, book. Answer answering questions. But but you know you can't. The, Part of part of uh, going somewhere you've never been, and this is for the for the reader, and the part of going somewhere you've never been is you don't know what's around the corner, yeah. and that's what makes it exciting. And so you can't have all the answers before before you've done the adventure, and that's part of the adventure is the unknown. Yeah, agreed. So, what's the funniest email you ever got about one of your guidebooks? I mean, I hate to that might um, be hard. That might be hard uh, to process, but. Yeah, you know, well, you, well, usually, you know, there, well, there, uh, I guess, there's been times when there's, when like women have contacted me and kind of as a veiled thing of they were probably wanting to meet and go hiking or you know, meet. Okay. And I don't know, go out, date or whatnot. Yeah. But they'll, you know, it was kind of thinly veiled. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting through the years. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, uh, um, really though, it's usually people trying to get information and I, and I don't blame them, you know, that, uh, but usually it's people either saying, you know, I really, I really enjoy your stuff or just pointing out a specific error. Yeah. And also the, the books will have, uh, you know, in the front, it'll say, if you if you see any change conditions, contact the publisher, and then the publisher will contact me. You know, trail will get closed. One time, Shenandoah National Park. I've, I've had I've had tons of book hiking book there for 20 years. One time, they decided I don't know some meeting. They decided uh, we're not we're not going to allow this book in the visitor center because it goes to a cultural site. And it was a, a hike to a cemetery, okay. and they decided arbitrarily, after you know, after I'd already put the book out and all that, that that, that they weren't going to sell it because it was. And so the next edition, I had to take it out because you want your book to be at the National Park Visitor Center if it's in the National Park. Right. Hey, on that topic, do you have a favorite? Is it? It's the Smokies. We've already established. It's got to be the Smokies. Okay. Okay. But, but let me let me tell you one thing though that that's been you know, very highly complimentary is when I've met people and then they realize that I'm Johnny Malloy. They're like, this happened when I was working on this coastal trails of the Carolinas this spring that we were riding a ferry to go out to an island out on uh, eastern eastern North Carolina and we're talking to these people and they were from Cincinnati and I was asking about some hiking places. And then the lady goes, all of a sudden she said, you're Johnny Malloy, aren't you? 
and, and I said, yeah, she goes, I got a bunch of your books. So that was kind of fun. And that, 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 that is, it makes me feel good. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm glad, Johnny, that, that yeah, we, a lot of people listen to the show are obviously pretty hardcore hiking and backpacking-oriented uh, folks. So, you know, it's great that they've got your voice. They can associate a voice to a uh, book now. I think that'll be fun for them, you know. I've got a few of yours. I hear you. I mean, I immediately when I saw you with your table there, of course, I'd never seen you before, so I didn't recognize you. But that, when I saw your book, I'm like, yeah. oh, you're Johnny Malloy. I know you. I've got your books. So that, yeah. was, that was cool. That was why I reached out to you once I got back from Trail Days. But um, I appreciate it. Yeah, you ready for some closing questions here? Sure. Um, for aspiring authors, right? Like you and I've been through the process, but I think there's a lot you learn as you go through the publishing process. Do you have any? Uh, and you've given some advice, but just yeah. like maybe a yeah. couple takeaways. Yeah, don't be a secret writer. Show everybody everything you write. Let them slice it and dice it, because the only way you're going to become better is by having people critique your writing. Because, you know, you're not going to get anywhere getting little gold stars on your paper. The only thing that publishers uh, show me is what I did wrong or what they can see can be improved. And I don't take it personally because I'm glad somebody's taking the time to look at my stuff and coach me up and, and, and help me become a better writer. And uh, uh, I wrote for this. Uh, I've written for various magazines off and on through the years, and I wrote for this one magazine and. First, they hired me, and the first thing I wrote, the guy said, that's not good enough. And mm. I'll never forget that. And and I just, it made me double down to become even better. And just also, the thing is, give people what they want when they want it. Don't worry about what you want. It's about what they want. If somebody's hiring you, they're going to pay you money to give you to give them what they want, not what you want. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and you, and, finish you know you got to keep doing it you got to keep working on it you can't quit and you've got to finish what you start because so many people they'll start something or that they you know that the first book i wrote i wrote for free without even knowing it was getting published my trial by trail my adventures in the smokies book no nobody i had no contract no guarantee no nothing and if you really 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 want to be a successful writer and you want to get published and you want to get paid, you need to finish on your own and with nobody watching because right now I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a fully self-employed human being and nobody's, the publisher's not calling me up saying, Johnny, have you done 20 hikes yet? Have you, where are you now? Right. It's up to me and I create, you know, and I, and I, and so I'm self-motivated to, to get the job done when it's supposed to be done and, and it's really a great thing rather than having somebody lean over you that I am in control of my situation and I make the most of it and I don't let anybody down. I have never turned in a book late. I turn in every single book on time because that's critical because the book publishing industry is an assembly line just like anything else. And if you don't put your manuscript on the assembly line at the right time, it messes up their deal yeah. because they've got 20 books they're working on. And if five of them don't come in right, it messes up their whole schedule. Yeah. Well, they have a whole, they have a whole system of uh, people working behind them too, that are on salaries that need to get paid too. Right. So they, you know, they, exactly. they've, they've got a business they're running, yeah. you know, Hey, one thing you said, Johnny, I just want to call out is, and I don't know if you really had to go through this process, but when the, when the publisher found me, they wanted some references 
And one of the questions they ask in, in their reference uh, questioning to the, the names I gave them that they could call was how well I accepted criticism, right? Because oh, really, it, yeah. and, and it really gets to what you were saying, right? Because they want somebody they can work with. They don't want somebody that's going to be uh, challenging, questioning. You know, They want somebody to help them uh, grow their business. I mean, I, and I think that was kind of what you were touching on before. Um, it, are there any resources that you can suggest for the listeners to, uh, you know, help them if this is something they decide they want to do? I, I really, I, I really don't. But I, I just think it, it's within themselves that they need to be able to be able to be critiqued. I mean, they should be having their, you know, have your husband or wife or whoever it is critique your stuff because you know what? I want to be better tomorrow. And, and everything I do, including being a writer, than I am today. And the only reason, I, the only way I can become better is by examining my weaknesses and working on them and becoming better. And it, editing is just is the exact that exact thing. Yeah, no, I agree. So, um, I guess, can I ask one final question, just to sort of, I've I've talked to a number of people that have been in the backcountry a lot. And and you certainly would be at the top of the list, though, in terms of nights in the backcountry. Can you share with us like your your most cherished moment, your most favorite moment ever in the backcountry? Is that kind of putting you on the spot too much? Well, there, there's been a lot of them, but there's been so many things. I mean, what you were, you know, seeing wildlife. You know, I had a uh, I had a moose walk through my campsite in Wyoming. You know, I've. Uh, caught fish for i went on a 15 night backpacking trip in the smokies and i had to rely on catching fish for 12 of the 15 dinners so for me to be honest with you there's not a singular moment but here's the here's the here's the moment for me is planning adventure executing the adventure and finishing it and looking back and thinking that was great i mean just being able to it's just like a book you know, a book is an idea in your mind, and then you write it, and you plan it, and you do all these things. And then one day you're sitting there at your house, and the UPS guy comes up, and he's got a box. And you open that box up, and there it is, that book right in front of you. That So to, to not exactly answer your question, it, it, the greatest joy for me is planning and successfully executing uh, wilderness adventures. Hey, so I noticed you're kind of dabbling in the whole, um, if you want to call it blog or whatever, but you know, on your website, I noticed you're documenting some adventures. I read your British Columbia trip that you did recently. I mean, is that something we can expect more out of you of? I mean, I know it takes time and I know you're spending a ton yeah. of time on your books. Um, yeah. Do you see that growing? That, your blogging, I guess, if you uh, want to call it that? Well, yeah, I guess if, if people, you know, if I could, if, if right now I, I just write anything where they're going to pay me. Uh, it's hard to, I've got so much writing ahead of me that it's hard to write for free. To, so, you know, it, I've had various arrangements with different publishers and websites and things where they paid me to do stuff, but I can't say that I'm going to be continuing to blog, hoping people are going to read it or something like that. You know, it's, the books keep me very busy. I'm working on three books at once right now, so, um, yeah. So that's what I'm mainly sticking to is is the book writing. It's fun for me, and it's um, just a, a good experience. No, that's understandable. And Johnny, they can find you at johnnymalloy.com. That's M O L L O Y, right? Correct. 
And are you an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter guy? Because I mean, there's probably a ton I, of people. There's a ton of people would probably follow you if you had those handles. Yeah, I know. I am not. I'm. I'm a. You know that part of the get, getting back to the reason I do what I do is so I can do what I do. So I want to be out there living in the moment rather than looking at the moment and and, and reflecting. If that makes any sense. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're there's no shortage of time spent looking at the phone and internet and whatnot, and there is a definite shortage of time being out in the wild. So I'm trying to spend the maximum amount of time in the wild as possible. Uh, I'm in front of the computer plenty doing the writing. I I, re- I respect that. I know exactly what you're saying. Working in technology, I, I believe me. So that I I respect that statement 100. percent um well johnny hey thank you so much for being on the show it was it was great to meet you i, I know a million people probably walked by your uh, table there at trail days so I, I don't know if you remember the exact moment that i met you but it was fun meeting you and uh I, I really appreciate you getting on the show tonight and sharing um you know what it takes to do what you've done it's amazing at 70 books it's unbelievable what what a life what a life congratulations i know i'm very grateful to god for the opportunity and uh just try to make the most of it. And I wish for everybody out there to go live out your dreams. And even if it's not a dream job, go on some dream adventures because time, time is a waste. And you know that there's one thing we can do and it's get out there and do it. And I promise you, you won't regret it. I haven't, I haven't been on an outdoor adventure yet that I said, golly, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. So people follow their dreams like you did, Johnny. I mean, I, I think I saw that you had a, a, an economics degree. You could easily gone and gotten a nine to five job. Um, wow. Kudos to you, man. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing your story. All right. Well, thank you for your time and best of luck. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2Backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.